Welcome to Performing Black. Performing Black is a celebration of the work that pushes the culture forward and a conversation of the work that leaves us wanting more. Oh, damn. This podcast will make you laugh, but most importantly, it's going to make you think. Performing Black is a celebration of black people and black art. Love, of course. Ready for this lively discussion because I've got so much to say. What about you, AT? Oh, I'm ready. (laughs) We're about to get into it because what a piece we have to dissect. What a piece we have to dissect. That's so true. (laughs) But this is your girl, though. This is your homegirl. This this is your one. I've been on the fence for a few years now, you know. Oh, there's growth. <laughs> there is growth. Okay. There have been some questionable behaviors. Yeah. Behaviors, actions, choices. Um, choices. Choices is a great <laughs> word. Yes, yes. And and perhaps deficiency in skill set at times. <sighs> I will say, I know we're gonna talk about her. I will say that I will concede now that she is a good actress. Mm-hmm. She's a good actress. I'm going to give her that. You know, um, I was never able to say it because I didn't see her in performance. Mm-hmm. But I will say she's a good actress. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that, as I know you are yes. as well. Y'all is getting warm. and so <laughs> With warmness, you know, as, as the weather gets hot, so do so I. So do I. But we have something in common, don't we? We both, well, we both got vaccinated. Yeah. We're ready for the summer. Oh, yeah. Halfway, right? We're halfway. Halfway. Mm -hmm. Pfizer family over here. You got Pfizer or Moderna? Okay. Pfizer family. I I think that uh, that's where we need to be because that Johnson and Johnson was snatched away. What what happened? I didn't hear about oh, this. They're stopping this. Ha- they announced it this morning, I believe. They um, are stopping the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because six women have developed these very rare blood clots. Oh and my god! Stopping. Yeah, and it's crazy because I just got, I was about to start a job next week at a at a new vaccine site and just got word this morning that they're putting everything on pause because they were only giving out the Johnson and Johnson. Wow. Yeah. So Yo, they- my brother got Johnson and Johnson. Oh wow. I'm so sorry. Why am I laughing? <laughs> yeah, I hope he's all right. But no, I, I hear Pfizer and Moderna, though, uh, they're only efficient for six months. And I'm just sitting here confused. Like, after summer, we're going to have to get a third shot to boost? Are you serious? I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, we'll be fully vaccinated soon. 
y'all just get this vaccine so we can get you know have a good time this summer but but y'all also have been out here in these streets okay <laughs> but um i feel like you know i think these covid vaccines will likely become a yearly thing similar to the flu shot and you know it'll be kind of up to people's choice um as to whether or not they get it and a- after this year i don't know that i'm going to get it every year but it's there, I guess. We'll see how efficient it is. I, mm-hmm. I know folks who are still quarantining, like when we quarantined at the beginning of 2020. Yep. You know, like they, like, like my homegirl, we're going out. I'm the first person she's gone out with since this pandemic started. Yep. You know, and I'm just like, girl, like get out there. But then also, I'm like, you know, people have to deal with this pandemic in whatever best way suits them. Yeah. You know? Um, it has definitely been a roller coaster. I mean, the anxiety alone, um, it definitely had me crippled for a few months and not wanting to leave the house. And then that leads into depression, child. And right, it does. You gotta, you gotta step out. <laughs> you <laughs> do have to step out for a you few do. moments. If that. Yeah. I mean, you know, also, like, you've got to live. I, I think at the same time, you know, I just question are we taking advantage of stillness? You know, are we taking advantage of of being able to see things that we miss on our day to day, you know, valuing it, you know, especially in thinking about death, you know, this this disease makes us think that there's all this death. I said, but like y'all, if we really sit and think about it, people are dying left and right every moment of the day. Yeah. Since before COVID. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and for all, I mean, you know, I think everybody could put their their thinking cap on and think about, you know, all the different ways in which we encounter or the world encounters death, you know, each day through trafficking, you know, through disease, through, through, uh, you know, a voluntary manslaughter, all of these things, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Accidents. (laughs) Um, All of these things are always happening, you know? Um, and so I know I've thought about just the preciousness of life and living life and being true to yourself, you know, in life, you know. Um, but that's what I was saying. I don't, I don't know that everybody's taking advantage of these moments of stillness. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I was you know, getting at. I think, too, for me, um, the, the part about the social aspect you were mentioning, it really struck me how much I had been inside when all I did was I went to a park, like, maybe two months ago for the first time uh, since the pandemic started. And this dude came by, he rolled by me on a skateboard and he was just like full out dancing to his music while on his skateboard. And we just made eye contact and just smiled at each other and kind of vibing for a minute. And I was like, oh my God, I miss that connection. I miss those small interactions with people and just being in a public space, you know, and, and just passing and, that those tiny moments are what fulfill me and what make me feel connected to the world around me. So not having that for a period, yes, it comes with this pros of, you know, doing the internal work and being able to have that space to really think about yourself and uh, what you need to work on as a person. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you need the balance of being around other people. So I'm definitely glad. You're right. Glad that the summer is on the horizon. Me too. I mean, you know, I made sure I had that balance throughout the pandemic, but I was playing with fire. I do know that too. (laughs) But what you just said also reminded me about the beauty of how in which, um, how uh, how folk are going to be dancing Mm. this summer. 
everybody's wanting to dance and it is like i'm so excited for it because it's just going to be popping (laughs) 20s for real oh it's going to be popping yeah so cheers (laughs) to corona and her vaccine Oh, Lord, speaking about uh, the preciousness of life, Mm. you know, we are in the middle um, of this trial with the officer that took George Floyd's life um, carelessly um, and maliciously. Mm. Um, And then while in Minnesota, what just happened? Dante Wright was killed um, by another police officer in the same town as George Floyd. So it's literally a year later and the exact same thing is happening. Well, right. And it's been happening throughout the year. I mean, like, for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, we want to keep it real. It's been happening, you know, and now now it's starting to happen to other races, you Mm. know? And so I think it's so funny... It's just like y'all are really y'all are calling for a civil war, y'all. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> folk, <laughs> folk are calling, folk are calling for this. Like you're, you're, we're, we are asking for it. It is mm-hmm. developing right before our eyes, you know, and it's very scary, you know, uh, just because not scary in that like I am, you know, afraid walking down the street, but it's just scared that we have gotten to a point where. Um, we've gotten to this, you know, this moment of implosion. I honestly haven't been able to even watch the trial. Um, yeah. Because I think it's just, <laughs> it's too much for me to take on right now, honestly. And also, I'm just sick of seeing the cycle repeated um, and usually nothing happening. Um, right. So, you know, prayers up, you know, of course, for Mr. Floyd's family. Um and Dante Wright's family, his child, and his girlfriend, his mother. But it's it's so I feel like too, like I'm at a place where I have to focus on joy and how I can continue to I guess try to make life for myself because mm-hmm. death is so imminent in this moment and it's like you got to do something opposite to uh, to keep your peace but or that's my way at least of dealing with it i've always stated that you know i feel very clear about what it means to be a black american in this country and i'm now i think now i think i've been thinking more so than any point ever in my life what does it mean to be a black man mm-hmm. and it's so interesting because i think I thought I knew what that meant. <laughs> and and as I ruminate on it now, it's almost like I don't, I, I have to leave the conversation alone because it's just like everything that, like, you know, it just brings up like how you're reared. It brings up, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things, you know, the things that you're currently experiencing. Um, <clears throat> and then the things that you're witnessing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the media, um, both journalism and entertainment, you know, because I think that, that is going to be a big part of our conversation today as well. Yeah. Um, in ways that I didn't, you know, this is now like why it's so clear that you, you know, with you must 
in, in order to think about blackness, you must think about feminism. You know, mm -hmm. like that's becoming very clear to me now in a way that it wasn't when I was a poor low graduate student and didn't know <laughs> nothing. I think we need more balance of, I think, our two ways of coping. Uh, and I mean that like broadly, you know, mm -hmm. in society, because I do think that we have been living in, a, 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 we've been all living in our different dream worlds, you know, not in this, and I don't want to say bubble, but I think that we are not, re, we are not wanting to face reality. So mm -hmm. we're doing our things to make us feel okay, yeah. but we're not dealing with things, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, y'all, the chaos will ensue as long as we keep living in the spirit of denial. <laughs> no, literally right now, to me, it it feels as though we're living in that period of the Obama presidency because I remember distinctly the feeling before the 2020 election leading up to it and feeling as though civil war was about to break out as we were leading up to the election. Mm -hmm. And after Biden was elected, it was that same thing that happened when Obama was elected and that everybody kind of has become mum. And those feelings and that, that boiling up, especially from last summer, has kind of settled and simmered mm -hmm. a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and as we return to the summer season and the heat <laughs> returns to our environment, I'm just like, what? I'm just kind of asking like spiritually what is going to happen in this atmosphere and when is it actually going to boil over? Cause it has to. <laughs> I'm not even being funny. You were in middle school during that time or you were in high school? What was that? Uh, 2008 was when he was first so that I was in middle school. Yeah. Right. I remember that time well too. And I'm just saying like as a, as a, as a kid, like as a, you know, as a, as a preteen, I imagine it did probably feel very like the way you described it, very dramatic, very like, kind of like people are going to start fighting in the street. Cause I think, you know, the media was trying to push that narrative. You know, the people, I think this was the, the emergence of like, probably the Trump supporter, right? The Trump supporter probably emerged mm -hmm. during this time. Um, it didn't feel as deep to me. Like this moment for me now, maybe it's just because of all the things we've been watching this season, you know, of performing black, but I feel like this is more like, and maybe it's just, maybe we're saying the same thing. I feel like this is closer to the Black Panther moment. This is closer to the Vietnam moment. This is closer to, you know, even, you know, the passing of, of, of X and King, you know, mm -hmm. like I feel like, I feel like this is the second iteration mm -hmm. of that with less activism. And maybe it's not, yeah, with less activism. Performative activism to me is not, is not what I'm including in activism. But then I'm also like, but you, you've been watching A Night in Miami. You've been, what were we watching? Uh, Billy Holiday. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Listen, we rely. Let's lift ourselves up. So what's up in black uh, pop culture? What you got for us? Well, um, my peer, I guess, uh, same age category, <laughs> Lil Nas X recently released Call Me By Your Name. I'm sure you all have seen the video by now or heard it mentioned at least. Um, had some very interesting imagery. Um, <laughs> he slides down the pole to hell and gives the devil a lap dance. I love to see it. I love what it stands for. I love the message that it sends and him making that uh, making that clear that, you know, 
you all tell us that we're going to hell so bitch I'm gonna go ahead and make a party out of it cause why not and um yeah, I fully stand behind that. It was interesting uh, having my mom. She brought the video up to me, and she was like, "Oh my God, did you see it?" And I was like, "Yeah." She was like, "What? What did you think?" I was like, "I loved it." And we kind of had I had to kind of break it down for her and help her understand what it was really saying. But um, definitely, <laughs> there's a generational divide in understanding there. Yeah, I think so. I also think that his, uh, while the idea is great, you know, I think that the implementation uh, was superficial and childish. Um, also, I'm like, you're a pop star. So who who are you appealing to? You know, who are you trying to send this message to? Because I also think that when you are trying to create a message, if your message is unclear to a lot of people, then you've not you've not done well with your message. You know? Um, and not that people not not that I'm saying that people don't agree, but if they don't understand, because I think that lots of folk were unclear that this was a reference to church and to religion. And I think that maybe your generation might have found that clarity. But I also, I wonder why. I think, is it because of, just because not Lil Nas X is queer? Is it because, you know, we've watched him mention, you know, the ways in which, is it because he tweeted something and now we understand that that is why? Like, I'm like, there, it, the, the video itself to me was not clear enough. Also, <clears throat> um, I don't understand why anybody, for me, what's most disturbing about this whole event is the blood that is in the the human blood that's in the Nike shoe. Like for me, yeah. that is what to me, I'm like, why is anybody talking about that? Because that's disgusting. That's, yeah, that's disgusting. Is. And you only made a few because you know that it's only about that many de devil worshipers, you know, that's willing to come out publicly and say, <laughs> I worship the damn devil and I want me some human blood. <laughs> <laughs> that is what is disgusting to me. And so I I could care less about him trying to say to the church, because the church is going to do what they want to do. We see what C.L. Franklin did, and so we know that the church is going to do what the church <laughs> wants to do. Somebody give me an amen right here on today. Okay? <laughs> Let's talk about another Franklin did, too. Listen, okay. You see oh. what the... You, <laughs> <laughs> It's two Franklin dynasties looking a damn fool. Okay, we're not even going there. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Oh. We're not doing it. Yeah, the human blood in the shoe, that is a little out. That's very out there. Not a little. It's very out there and <laughs> unnecessary. It's also traditionally white, too. Like, let's, let's, do, I mean, now I will say, I'm not, let me hold on now. I know that we sacrifice and, and deal with blood. And Voodoo and things like that, but like in this way to like want to 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 make human blood fashionable and to make capital off of it because the shoes are sold like thousand dollars each, it, right? You're right, absolutely. So that is an inherently white thing. That is an inherently uh, American <laughs> thing. Um, and well, this black boy is peddling that idea. So I don't, I mean, we could try to do the reappropriation, you know. It is human trafficking in a way. It's disgusting. 
Yeah. It is disgusting. It is dis If I had to make that shoe in the warehouse in Botswana <laughs> or India someplace, I would be really, really just outdone. Uh, speaking of the church, you know, rest in peace to DMX. It's very sad. It really is. And you know, it's so funny. I, I was thinking about when you and I actually saw him in person in Harlem a few years ago. When we had uh, left Harlem Pride. Yes. I we were outside the Hoosa Lounge. We were. Didn't Chris run up and take a picture with him? I think he did. Wow. I was like, wow. I actually saw him in person. I was like 10 feet away from him. I forgot all about that. We sure were. We sure were. I was worried about my cocktail. Right. <laughs> It's such a sad story. I didn't know this. I was listening to um, my friend Coco. Uh, she has Healed and Heels. Uh, if you go to her IG, she has a page called Healed and Heels, and she does common sense ministries. And so she does this motivational minute, but she does this longer conversation on Monday. So she actually, I listened to her whole, I actually, I really am promoting her because I really think that like she uh, is prophetic. And I think that um, she has the potential and the ability to really touch lives. Uh, so I, I really encourage people to go to <clears throat> that Instagram. Uh, but she did a longer series about DMX. And I did not, I mean, I had heard that he uh, was introduced to crack cocaine through a laced blunt. Mm -hmm. I did not know that that was his first introductions to substances. Mm -hmm. Like that was his first time smoking weed. That was his first time smoking. You know, I don't know if he smoked cigarettes at the time, but that was his first time, his first introductions to drugs altogether. Mm -hmm. And how that, you know, led him into a life of crime, a life of uh, being in and out of group homes, you know, and foster homes and being in the foster system, you know, and he led to his demise at the age of 50, 50. you know. And he too was prophetic, you know, and mm -hmm. too had, had, had demonstrated this beautiful relationship with God, yes. you know, in spite of his challenges, yeah. you know, and um, it is just a testament to the disease of addiction, mm -hmm. but also to the ways in which people don't allow, people don't understand that addiction is a disease for others and they don't understand how um it is a it is a process that is always mm -hmm. on you know it isn't something that can just stop it isn't something that one can just forget it isn't something that um it that 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 changes overnight it isn't something um that you know, that can be diminished after a period of a treatment. <laughs> you know, it's something that an individual has to continually work against. You know, it mm -hmm. is like a, 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 um, 
uh, these pre-existing conditions, you know, that make our bodies, you know, uh, fragile and, and mm -hmm. vulnerable, you know, and you care for it in that way. And you've got to figure out which, you know, um, method is working for me and things like that. You know, like people don't allow, don't understand that. There's so much, you know, I forget that, um, there are people exist that like hate. I was having a conversation with somebody. And they were like, you know, it was he was one of those dudes that hates people who does drugs. And I was oh, like, damn, I forgot about people that there are people like that <laughs> that just like don't understand the psychology, you know, um, and the uh, the emotional, you know, challenges that are all involved in addiction they just think mm -hmm. about somebody who just is is a you know worthless and just wants to have fun all the time and they got caught up you know it's just so interesting um and i you know i don't know what people he had in his life um you know i know he got a lot of damn kids i heard all that Beyonce right. and jay-z have bought the masters so we're gonna give them to the kids yeah, and get money to the kids. Uh, so we hope that happens. But that's just, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, it's a sad story. I will say what was beautiful, though, especially about seeing him in person um, and, you know, hearing all these stories now from uh, those who have written tributes to him. It, he lived as a man who, one, loved Black people, but <laughs> also a man who walked amongst people and with such humility and i even noticed that just seeing him for those few those few moments we did in harlem like he was just so down to earth and so humble about taking pictures with people shaking people's hands on the sidewalk saying hi real quickly like it was he had no airs about him and mm -hmm. i think that was a constant thing and it seemed like a very consistent thing that everyone seems to have written about um, in their posts um, about his life and their interaction with him. So I thought that was very beautiful. And, um, yeah. Because he was a crackhead. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, crackheads, wanna, they want to be, they want to be with everybody and talk to everybody. They're going to say what they got to say. You know, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm making a joke, but I'm being actually very serious. You know, and it just reminds me of this one time uh, New Year's New Year's Day, New Year's. But my friend took the keys. He was ready to go home. He had dressed up in drag, and his feet was hurting, so he was ready. He he lame anyway. He went home to my apartment <clears throat> and was sleep when I got home at like six in the morning. And so I just went, you know, to the corner store, you know, got some breakfast, maybe some coffee. I don't even drink coffee, but maybe some coffee or something. And I remember I started engaging with what appeared to be um, someone who, uh, a substance, you know, user, someone that was challenged with substance use and, and that they might have lived on the street or just were out on the street a lot. And mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what they said to me, but I never, but you, what, the, what does my, they won't, you, people don't remember what you said, but they remember, remember how, how you make, make them feel. I'll never forget the story because I left that conversation ready to take over the world. I mm. left that conversation ready to start that year. I left that conversation feeling so full. And that was the moment where I was like, you never, 
discount anybody. That doesn't mean that you got to like walk with them, but understand mm -hmm. that you can get a word from God, a word from the universe, a word of inspiration from anybody walking on this earth. Indeed. You know? And so I, you know, I guess you're saying that DMX represents that, and 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 I am saying it too, you know. Yeah. Um and that's a really beautiful thing because that's that's a gift that that lots of folk don't have, mm. you know, and won't even reach in their lifetime. Yep. Po them. <laughs> and I, I do, you know, think about you know, what kind of connection he had spiritually and what God meant to him because it seems like it was just through him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and poor us because mm -hmm. folks seem to be upset. I mean, I have not seen the series at all. I have seen musings of the conversation on Lena Waithe's production of them. Um, and what is the show about? What's the premise? So from my understanding, it is about a black family who moves from, I believe, I want to say North Carolina to uh, Compton in the 50s. And they move into this all-white neighborhood and they are faced with various incidents of racism and um, such as their neighbors, I guess, hanging these dolls um, outside the house. They play this racist music um, outside of their home and that calls or says, like, I want to go to the jungle, something like that. Um, and apparently there's just a lot of uh, enacted traumatic events um, and a lot of enacted trauma on black bodies. I, I, I read or a mention of a baby being thrown into a sack. I saw somebody, a child, black child's hair on fire. Um, oh my God. Something <clears throat> about, a, I think a baby's eyes being poked out with some type of stick or iron something. I don't know. I don't have any intentions to watch the show um, for my own sanity and well-being at this time but um it sounds like a mess wow that sounds like a lot um i think what it also sounds like is that a piece is probably knowingly the way that's probably unresearched exactly. uh, and it probably is not the right time for it to have been released probably anything like because to me it sounds like the um it, it illustrates kind of what 12 Years a Slave did, you know, where it was like very real, you know, and very um, specific mm. uh, and and really kind of wanted to capture the viciousness and the, the terror of, of the time. Um, but also, Steve McQueen is talented and... <laughs> I'm not gonna say she's not talented. Let me. That's not nice. I'm not gonna say she's not talented, that's but I will nice. say that, you know, there, there is, um, there is a deficiency, uh, particularly after Antebellum too, which I didn't see, but I know you. She's did. associated with Antebellum. She produced it. I want to say so. Definitely, I definitely know she didn't write it or direct it. Okay, she produced it. Oh, okay, well, it was on her production team. Yeah, that was awful. That was really bad. But I thought that I thought there were moments of the shy that were just really terrible too, particularly the writing. You know, that's, yeah, uh, that's what I keep hearing about uh, them as well as the writing is very poor. Oh, I'm sure she her writing is not. It leaves much to be desired. Um, 
Yeah. Well, you know, but at the same time, it's been in my mind, though, and I've been wanting to make a creative piece about it because my question is, you know, when in a world where we say we just want somebody to keep it real, what is too real? You know, it does make me ask that question. I, and that's just because I'm in that space now where I have been asking that question a lot, you know, particularly in in this moment where I'm like, people, like the news, the media is showing y'all what the world is. Now this is where y'all is applicable. <laughs> you know, it's showing y'all what the world is. And, and y'all are not wanting to see what is really happening. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, so I do, it just make me just ask the question, what is too real? Because if it happened and that's the truth, then what is the problem? The writing. <laughs> right. How it's presented. Right, right, right. Well, it's time. You know, I think we want to just reflect, you know, on Miss Franklin, as she preferred to be called. Um, what a divine woman. What a woman who, I, for me, when we, when I see her, I see black women. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, I don't. I think, of course, we know that nothing is a monolith and nothing is the same, and and nobody has the same experience. But when I would look at Aretha Franklin, it's like I saw a woman like her at my grandmama's church, at my church, you know, at at, at my preschool. You know, she was the lady who took care of me. I don't remember what she looked like, but when I was one and two years old, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's what I think of Aretha Franklin. Yeah, I grew up listening to Aretha for sure. But I don't think it was until I got into my teenage years that I really began to understand the impact that she had made, um, both on, of course, the music industry, but really the world and and um, our community specifically, and the importance of her voice, really. Um, the soul, th- that is the definition, like, the way she conjured up emotion through each and every beat of a song and how she literally made the music her own and made it work for her. Um, it's, it's literally artistry at its finest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you have the gift of song like that, you know, um, each detail as you're as you're as you're highlighting for us each detail is commonplace for that artist i feel mm-hmm. you know like i feel like their details are probably something that we can't even fathom because we don't have that level of expertise that they do you yep. know what i'm saying yep. um, and and she definitely was an aficionado you know of song and piano you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking about, you know how you have memories from your childhood and, and well, I don't know, maybe everybody doesn't do this and you associate a song with that memory, like mm. when there's a song, 
I, I, yeah. So like, there, not not that I put a song with it, but like, there's a song that that I that was popular that that will stay. So that every time, if I ever hear that song or if that song comes to mind, it takes me back to this moment. Hmm. And so for me, it is. Um, I want to say it's a family reunion. I want to say that we had in 1986, and it was in Georgia, which is where I'm from. And um, so my family back then, we have family family reunions every other year on on even years. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) and they would and they would generally be in like Cleveland, Detroit, and Atlanta. Because I think that's where like the hub of our families, you know, mainly, you know. And and then in New York as well. Sorry, because we've had a couple of family reunions in New York too. So New York, um, Cleveland. And so this year was in At- this year was in Atlanta. And all I remember in the summertime, of course. And all I remember is you know is like me. I used to always be very happy when family came around. So mm-hmm. very very. And I just remember being very happy, and the TV was on, and you know, it's like you're going riding on the freeway of love, and uh huh. And she has this awful hairstyle, and I was like, why is she so big with her hair looking like that? But that song makes me happy, you know, and it just reminds me of that family reunion, you know. Mm. We were like outside barbecuing, you know, they might have been frying fish and stuff. All of these things, it just makes it, that so, is like the song um, that kind of reminds me of my childhood. Um, there are other songs. Her version of Holy Holy, I might cry every time I hear that song. You're you going to always get me with a soprano uh, wailing. <laughs> you can get me with like if you get a, if you get a little slave beat going and you get the soprano wailing, I'm out. Okay, I am laid out somewhere because I just feel so black and so close to God. Yes, <laughs> you be wailing at the same level as sooner will be done. Mahalia Jackson. Uh huh. Is that so I is have the same way? I have watched the whole movie, but it's the same. Uh, it is, it is, yeah, I've learned okay. to contain it now. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. Uh, I love her shade, of course, um, <laughs> and seeing it come through in the public more as she matured throughout her life um, <laughs> is a beautiful thing to see because you know it was always there, and you know. Uh, the women of her life taught it to her. Um, and I, I just, I have so much more respect for her after watching this series and learning of her journey and, mm-hmm. you know, everything she's really been through. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah. it's really a testament to her strength and, I think her reminding you of so many black women that you grew up around, I similarly feel that way. And that it's like, for me, I feel black women really usher in the spirit of God so often in my life. And Aretha's no different uh, by using her voice in that way. But yeah, I just, I just can't fathom where all that strength comes from. I think you can. Mm-hmm. I think you saw. I think you saw. I, I will, you know, I think that the series, um, the series did some really good things and did some silly things. Um, but I want to say overall, I enjoyed it. I think you saw, I think you saw her story and that if you sat back and saw how she was a woman that experienced lots of things at a young age, she was a woman that had to 
um, take care of people at a young age. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and she had a responsibility not only to her family, but she uh, decided that she had a responsibility to the world too. And, and when you make decisions like that, to hold up a group of people, whether it is in an insular fashion or it is in a global fashion, you you have uh, reckoned with things mm -hmm. in a way that gives you strength. So I do think that, you know, and, and just she had the skill set of being a black woman, you know, um, uh, a black person, you know, in general, just because when you, are that especially when you uh own it um you gotta have a particular strength to carry yourself throughout the world you know mm -hmm. Aretha louise franklin you know she was born on march 25th 1942 and passed august 16th 2018 she's also known as the queen of soul she was an american singer she was a songwriter she was an actress she was a pianist and civil rights activist a modest career in acting uh, <laughs> we will talk about, uh, you know, much later, but at the age of 18, she embarked on, a, you know, a, a secular music career with Columbia Records, um, but she found acclaim and commercial success after signing with Atlantic Records in 1966 with hit songs that include I Never Loved a Man, The Way I Love You, Respect, You Make Me Feel Like, A Natural Woman, Chain of Fools, Think. It was by the end of the 60s, very early in her career, which I also thought it was so interesting to think about and note that very early in her career, she was marked as the queen of soul mm -hmm. you know? was that the chicago concert uh i don't know because that's what they depicted in the series at least okay. but okay. you know several albums uh i remember the iconic uh performance with uh pavarotti at mm -hmm. the grammys um, or when she had to fill in for Pavarotti, sorry, at the last minute, she sang Nessun Dorma. <laughs> I remember watching that um, and her um, doing A Natural Woman at the Kennedy Center Honors where they tribute, uh, paid tribute to Carole King. Mm -hmm. She's had these iconic moments and that wonderful moment where she at the uh, uh, where she's at the White House and she walks in and she uh, slides to the side to Miss Patty LaBelle. <coughs> I, I don't touch me with her fur on. <laughs> with her fur on, National Medal of Arts and the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, she was uh, the first female performer to be inducted into the Rock and Roll. Hall of Fame. She was also inducted into the UK Music Hall of Fame and into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. And the Rolling Stones ranked her number one on its 2010 list of 100 greatest singers of all time. Um, and Miss Aretha Franklin clearly has many more credits than that with film appearances and, and many awards. Um, but now we are going to get into genius. <laughs> Aretha Franklin. Wow, so this series, I feel really documented her life from childhood to about like middle of her life, I would say. Um, we didn't get, of course, to um, 
her her uh, death toward the end. But um, it was overall, I definitely learned a lot about her life, and that's what I appreciate the most about this series. Um, the performances were pretty good overall, uh, acting wise and singing. I would say Cynthia definitely sang in her own style. Um, she didn't sound like Aretha uh, singing very much or even speaking most of the time. Um, we can definitely talk. We will definitely talk about that. But yeah. I, 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 I disagree, I, actually. Oh, you think speaking wise, she sounded like her? No, speaking wise, no. Okay. No. But the singing wise, there were definitely moments where I thought she sounded a lot like Aretha Franklin, and I was actually shocked. Mm hmm. Only when, only in the ping, though. Right. In the ping, when she get high, in the ping, only in the ping. When she's singing low in her low register, she does not sound like her. Because I still hear the accent, come, her British accent coming through when she's in the, I guess, lower register, is especially when I hear it. Um, well, and it sounds effective. That, there's that, and there's also, it's just that, it's the soul. Mm -hmm. Like it's like y'all y'all can't have her y'all can't have no black woman no American black woman sing gospel y'all can't have Crystal Rucker from the uh, Sunday's Best singing gospel where was she singing How I Got Over and then have Aretha come back and try to sing How I Got Over like that's just I mean sorry have Cynthia Revo come back and sing How I it, it is a stark difference it is. It is a stark difference. And then y'all got the nerve to have her on the one scene, I think it's in episode six, where she opens and she's actually uh, lip syncing to yes. Aretha's voice. It's just like, y'all made a mistake. Y'all got to have some consistency. It's one song. I just had to go make because I actually am surprised that you didn't think she sounded like her singing. It was one song where I gagged. Because mm. I was like, she sounds just like Aretha Franklin, and it is because the entire song is Save Me, when she's singing Save Me, Save mm -hmm. Me, stay, that whole song, it, she's, she, stays, yes. she stays up there wailing, and she sounded just like her, because I will also say, too, that as, it's, it's, it's so crazy, it was saying with T.I., it was like he got, it was like in the middle of the series, he finally got an action coach. It was weird. <laughs> you know, like the, his first appearance, he's sounding like, you know, you know, the trap boy, dope boy yeah. from Bankhead, and then next thing you know, he's like, I will not stand for this. I was like, uh-oh, you gotta, <laughs> the coach came in. The coach came in, and then I was also like, it's probably a different director who was probably closer to blackness. It was like, no, this is who this character is. Uh -huh. um, but the same thing with her, you could tell she got a vocal coach, and it was almost like the vocal, you know, not like a, it was like a, a, di a vocal dialect coach that like trained her voice to do different things so mm -hmm. she sounded like Lisa. But that was much, that was like, we didn't get that to about episode four, mm -hmm. you know? Because she yeah. did mention, yeah, she did mention, like, in her interviews for the series that she, in uh, in recording the music, she was also working on her own um, album that's, I guess, to be forthcoming. But she would be, like, going in between recording the two. And she said she would focus on or try to find out, like, the little tricks that Aretha would do with her voice to make the songs happen. Um, and so she has to study those techniques. And so it did pay off in some of the songs, yeah. Like, for me... Chain of Fools sounded pretty good. Yeah. Um, what else? Did she do Seesaw? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one sounded similar. That, she just uh, sounded a lot like Seesaw. Even in, I actually was uh, pleasantly surprised at her giving him something he can feel. Um, mm. 
<clears throat> but once again, that's like episode six. So, uh-oh, wait a minute, what? Because the one that stuck out, and I was like, no, ma'am, was a change gonna come. Because I was like, she don't know what she's singing. I don't singing. think I heard that. She don't know what she's singing. I don't about. think I heard that. that must, is that the last episode? It's not the last episode. I want to say it's like the middle of the series because she's at the convention oh, with it, MLK. Man. It was something that is just like inherently Black American. And it was just like, girl. But there were moments I felt like that that rang true a lot, even without the singing. Like in the moments where they would dance, in the moments where she would be in the church having to like gyrate. I was mm -hmm. like, girl, mm -hmm. I was like, did yeah. nobody tell you that's the moment where you got to get specific, you know, yes. because this girl was singing in tents in Tennessee. Girl, you don't know nothing about that. Ain't nobody had no conversation with you about what that probably looked like, the heat, you know, because I was also like, <laughs> yes. why was Clara Ward dancing so pretty? I was like, I'm sure yeah. not that pulled at, I mean, you know, she might have been pulled. That little hot, I was like, uh-uh, and that big old hat, I was like, it's too hot for that hat. <laughs> I said, it's too hot for, she would have took it off, maybe, about it, about it, listen. CL <laughs> child. Oh, God, let's, oh, like, yeah, that's a lot. That's actually a lot. Now, you know, you often ask the question about, like, who, not whose show is, and it clearly was Aretha's show, but, like, his story alone just kind of, it doesn't outshine. I'm not going to give it that much, but it definitely is almost an equal talk. It's like, who is Aretha Franklin? Who the fuck? Uh -oh. <laughs> 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 who the fuck was C.L. Franklin? Okay? Because he was wild. For real. <laughs> Um, what else? I, I really loved, um, mm, I really loved, um, the love that her and Glenn Turman had. I loved seeing that love story develop and, oh, it made my heart warm so much. Luke Cage is sensational. And that role was so small, but yeah. for me, the moment he spoke, you're just like, you know, first of all, because I was waiting on Glenn Turman, I was like, where is Glenn Turman? Uh, and I rewatched Ma Rainey's Black Bottoms the other day, and he was really, really good in that movie. It's very small stuff. Like, he didn't do anything groundbreaking, but just like, you just know how somebody knows what they're doing, mm -hmm. you know? And he just, anyway, but Luke James was just, he not even like all that cute, but like I just wanted to like hug on him. Yes. I wanted to fall into him. I trust yes. you, Luke. Let me right. fall. <laughs> Be tender with me. Be tender with me. I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Watch. <laughs> but okay, you said the, the love between her and, and Glenn. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was so beautiful to watch. Um, the relationships and <laughs> the tumult with her sisters at times. And the jealousy that existed between, um, and the way she was like backstabbing them at times too was just yeah, like, oh my god. So you know we we're gonna call what I've always I've always termed as as singers energy. Uh oh, educate us. Uh, I mean, so and Aretha is like the the quintess, like she's it. So there, you know, there 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 are singers and there are singers, right? 
bottle sang. And so those, I've always noticed that those that sang and when they get around others that sang, they get real nasty. <laughs> they get real, real nasty. I remember the, one of the first times I started my program. I'm so serious. I'm so for it. So I've always called that singer's energy because they get very aloof. They get very stank and they get very critical of others. Um, and they just, and then there's just this air of them, you know, and it's just always been fascinating to me. Uh, and, 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 you know, and you give it to them because you're like, well, they can sing. <laughs> you know, and I remember there used to be this very famous uh, open mic, Village Underground, mm. uh, here in New York City. Lots of singers have become fa have become famous from this place. Melanie uh, Daniels used to be the host, co-host, along with this guy. I can't remember his name, but Melanie Daniels used to sing backup for Mariah Carey. Mm. Uh, does that give you any indication of uh, what kind of voice she had? And she has this amazing, crazy range. I just remember being in that space, feeling very intimidated. I could never get up and sing because in, it's too much singer's energy in here. You know, <laughs> it's too much. It's too much of that. While I agree with you that this series did educate and gave us a lot and, 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 and captured you know, I think mm -hmm. in a cinematically, you know, accurate way uh, of storytelling. They did some great storytelling, you know, and, and, and it was very detailed. Susan Murray Parks, baby. Yeah, she did. Yes, she did. Executive produce. Here we go. Talk more about that later. We've heard some more, some, some more exquisite writing, too. Mm -hmm. I thought that it did not capture um, the truth of the church. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, because I, I was a church kid. And, and just like I was telling y'all about Coco and um, and Heald and Heels, she was talking about, she was like, I don't let my kids go on a church trip. Mm -hmm. She said that. She said, I don't let them. She said, I know what goes on a church trip. And I'm like, girl, you know what we used to do in the few <laughs> when we were singing at Big Mama's church. I'm going to tell you, like, some of my nastiest and beginning experiences were with folk from the church or, or at the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was just like, this girl, this girl was get, got pregnant for the first time at 12 years old. That's yes. a particular kind of girl. And we, and some of us, I'm not going to, I was about to say, we all know her, and no, we all don't. But some of us know who that girl is. And yes, everybody's experience is the same. What I'm saying is that I know the fast one and I know how that culture is developed. And it was not as pretty and pristine as they made it on Genius. What uh, what details would have made that more realistic? I think, like, well, first of all, I think they needed a third. I think they needed another Aretha. Mm -hmm. They needed a second one because they were trying to age that little girl, but it didn't mm -hmm. work. She looked the same age the entire time. She mm -hmm. looked older than what she was supposed to be when she was younger, and she looked younger than what she was supposed to be when she was older. I also I agree with that, that. I think that they also should have let young CL be the role and they should have aged him. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I like Courtney Vance. I like Courtney B. Vance. I think that he is an, I think that Thanks, he is ooh. a fine actor. Yo, I think he, he did his very, thing. Very, very Cause I also thought he brought this queerness to, 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 to CL. Mm -hmm. That was very interesting. Yes. I would say it was very interesting. It was very subtle. But it was very interesting. This, this, maybe maybe queerness, queerness, because I don't like that. This flamboyance, flamboyance yeah. I think is a better word. He brought this flamboyance that can be read as queer uh, to to CL that I thought was really. I just thought as an acting choice, I thought it was brilliant. And Especially I, when I, he was drunk. 
exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, and I think that, and that's how you know you're dealing with a smart actor because I'm sure they are thinking about what is this, what's going on in the psychology of a person who is preaching, literally preaching one thing in the pulpit <laughs> and doing something else. Who, as in the line of the show, who likes Sunday mornings but likes Sunday Saturday night as well? Okay, you know, like who, what is going on in the psychology of a person who can do and treat this to a woman who will foster a child with? A, a 12 year old young girl what is going on in the psychology of that person and then the other question is what is going on in the psychology of the people that is allowing that to continue to happen exactly <laughs> michael get up it's time to go to church on sunday well what's going on in the church mama <laughs> Mama, why Mama. you say it like that? Because <laughs> I was a little faggy little child, that's why. Oh, I'm just loving this conversation already. It's so good. It is so, 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 so good. Because also, like, it seemed like she still had small kids when it got to be Cynthia Revo, Aretha. At the beginning mm -hmm. of the season when she was coming on, I was like, well, what happened to the kids that was, like, is CL actually her, is CL that's supposed to be a brother? Is that her son? I really couldn't tell. I think so. But I really, yeah, I kept getting confused too with that. Cause I was like, is that her brother or her child? Um, but it seemed like they didn't really want to focus on the kids. It seems to me they just wanted to kind of establish that the other family members were taking care of the kids while she was trying to pursue her career. And can't keep bringing the, you can't have a whole scene where her coming to visit to give the kids Christmas presents, yes. and she's a grown ass woman, and them kids still five and seven. Yeah, <laughs> and she had the baby at 12. She's supposed to be standing next to a grown ass man, that's what she's supposed to be standing next to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the present she was supposed She was supposed to be going to get him some condoms, and, <laughs> and uh. <laughs> Yeah. and say don't make the same choices I made. That's what she was supposed to be saying. <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely wild that, you know, she was supposed to be in the care of her father on those summer trips and to have gotten pregnant twice. Yeah. Um, and I didn't answer your question fully. So there's just a grit with the church. There's mm -hmm. a grit. There is a level of improvisation that has to be captured, you know, cinematically. Yeah. There is an ugliness. There is an ugliness that that you can see when you're if you observe when you go into the church that you can see there's an nastiness. Because the thing is, is that we got to remember <laughs> that sinners you know these are people that talk about going against the world but there are many folk who are like cl that are in the church you know like Putting church folk are just, they're putting on a performance you know and and that you know we've got to stop making saints we gotta stop making folk look like saints when they ain't you know yes. and so <laughs> there's that and then so like i guess like with that scene of yeah the boy is trying to like there is the boy is trying to get aretha and the other boy is trying to save her but like you know there's more intention when they be on them church trip. There is more intention. It almost seemed like Aretha got caught up. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. as a young girl, sure, she got caught up. But like we all, I was a hot 12 year old and 13 year old. And I know what I did in 1990 or whatever. So I'm just saying like, I just needed there to be more accountability. Mm -hmm. And 
in Aretha. And I just think that they needed a mature actor by that stage to capture that as well. Because uh, Miss Jordan, Cheyenne Jordan, with her amazing self, yes. I'm so excited to see the development uh -huh. of her career. Um, she's At such point, a I thought she was outshining Cynthia for me, acting wise. Oh, you did that? No, she, no, she certainly did. Yeah. She certainly did because Cynthia did not give that role uh, a much level. She didn't give it. It was too. We'll get to that. She didn't <laughs> give it much level, but she didn't know that little girl was acting. She was yes. acting for her life. Yes. She was acting for her life. She sang beautifully, a little too pretty at times for me, you know. Um, <clears throat> and I just wish that they would, when they get these young actors, particularly because, you know, I do think that the uh, black. Le uh, the black dialect in the U.S. is changing. Mm. I think that it's changing, um, and and that is fine. It is what it is. But like the dialect that she's giving is not the dialect of a little girl from the 1960s. And so we have to tell our actors that, but to teach them to, because they can, they can do it. Just tell it like, girl, talk how you talk when you with your friends. Mm -hmm. Talk how you <laughs> talk when you with your friends. And then do all whatever other work, you know, your acting teacher told you to do. But talk how you talk when you're with your friends. Talk how you talk when you get real mad. Mm. <laughs> that respectability politics shit goes out the window when you pissed at a motherfucker. Okay? <laughs> Shall we jump into the let's star? Jump into Cynthia. Yeah, let's jump into Cynthia. That's your girl, you know. You, you, you. I always uh, defer to you, Miss uh, <laughs> oh, Cynthia Arrivo. You know, I, I will say, I expected what I saw in terms of the accent, um, speaking wise, and just from the previews. Um, and so, watching the series, it didn't surprise me, but I definitely have where I had to put put my device down while watching and just be like, why? Why? Why did no one try to help her or tell her that you have to commit to a certain dialect, a regional dialect? Every Black American does not sound the same. So why is it that you're doing the same accent as Harriet or, or Steely? Um, don't don't drag, <laughs> but don't drag. She was not giving Harry, and I'm not even gonna let you do her like that. Uh, I'm it not was gonna let just... you do her like that. I want to answer your question. You know why? Because they believe that the singing is going to outshine everything mm -hmm. with musicals. That's why. That's why. <clears throat> they don't think that that detail is important. They don't think it's important. They're just because I. Re <laughs> so I walked out of Motown. <sighs> well. I, this is when I got respect. I stopped walking out of shows. I would leave intermission. I would stay to this. So this was this was probably the last show that I left. I decided I was going to stop doing that because it really is rooted. You don't know who's watching and people talk. So mm -hmm. I saw it probably was one of the last shows I left, but we left the intermission. And, you know, homegirl sang. We, we came there to go see Saquon. You know, we met up with her at the show. She was like, why weren't y'all at the stage? So, girl, we had to having a drink. Come on to the bar. We had to leave. So sorry. Um, and the producer stopped us and was like, why are you, you know, what's, 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 we were like, we didn't like it. It's not good. It's bad. Oh, no. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I, you know, and you know where I'm at now. So, yes, uh, you, you get my truth. You're going to kick if you don't. It's just where I'm at, you know. <laughs> 
So, and he was just like, but the singing. That was his response. Mm-hmm. He was just like, but the singing. I said, I can go put the CD on at home and hear it sung better. Hear it sung oh. right. Then he was like, you know, are you an artist? And I was like, okay, I'll see you later. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so it is that. Like, you know, know, to me, like, now I expect it, you know? So I'm like, they do, they really do. Especially because, like I said, I was shocked. You know, when she got in that ping, I was like, oh, wow. She's she's letting that ping work for her. Mm. You know, and I love ping anyway. So that's why I'm like now a little easier on her because, you know, I was impressed with her. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was impressed with her. Um, even though I, do, I, I think that, you know, that there could have been more levels provided to what she was doing um, in crafting a character. Um, I think that what she created, you know, I think was solid. Mm. It was solid, you know, but there was just no emotion. She just seemed, she seemed so unemotional. And I think that, even though it is clear, because I was like, you know, she never smiled and she never really laughed hard. But then when you think about Aretha, you like, I ain't never really seen Aretha smile. I've never really seen her laugh hard, you know. But that doesn't mean that she's unemotional. That doesn't mean, and as an actor, you've got to to be able to capture and demonstrate what does it look like to contain all of this emotion. And I think tapping more into that psychology, I think, thinking about the relationship she had with her father particularly, and really just men in her life in general, she had to assert control in areas that she could because there were so many men <laughs> trying to <laughs> to direct her life for her. And if, if the only thing she had to, to control was, you know, how, she, how her kids were raised, how she conducted herself, her own public image, that's what she was able to to, to right. handle so right. yeah and why yeah she came across as unemotional for the most part but i mean i i do recall you know seeing aretha in moments of joy and like laughing like when she would do the cooking stuff um in her kitchen um or like some mm-hmm. interview interviews typically with like black men particularly she yeah. would be jocular and stuff she liked, but, like look she knew what she liked honey i know hey. <laughs> She knew but, what she liked. But yeah, professionally, she she knew she was there to get the job done. Requested that right. cash up front. <laughs> put yeah. It in the and but I guess it. just in thinking thinking about thinking about you know like going back to a woman that was reared in the black church of, uh, and being in a popular black church mm-hmm. in a singing city she's from the same city of diana ross she's from the same city as the clark sisters yep. so that tells us and then smoky all of these people so you got the secular music and you have you know gospel music that's very big in detroit so it's just like at 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 the very at the base level, you dealing with somebody who has a, a very unique personality, and it just I couldn't grasp Aretha's personality mm. through what was what was depicted on the show. And I, <laughs> I think that is the downfall of them not having spoken with her family in making this piece. Yes. Um, because that that was lacking and yeah, yeah is what it led to um and you know 
in thinking about that and that kind of controversy surrounding the piece and the family not approving of it and all that, you know, for me as an outsider at first, it's like, okay, they probably don't approve of it just because of the uh, controversy surrounding CL and Mm -hmm. that truth being exposed. But also, too, I imagine they probably feel similarly that her full personality wasn't shown um, in her full human humanness. So hopefully we get that in the iteration in August. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Um, Yeah, no, I was watching um, the granddaughter's TikTok Mm -hmm. where she is shown protesting about the show and then she actually speaks this movie has to go this movie has to go hi i'm grace franklin my grandmother is aretha franklin um, i'm the one pictured in that video along with my siblings uh, my parents and some of my friends as most people know there are two biopics of my grandma currently being made the respect movie with jennifer hudson and the genie series with cynthia Riva. As the immediate family, we feel that it's important to be involved with any biopic of my grandma's life as it's hard to get any accurate depiction of anyone's life without speaking to the ones closest to them. During the process of writing, directing, and filming this movie, we've reached out to Genius as a family on multiple occasions where we've been disrespected and told that we will not be worked with. As the immediate family, emphasis on immediate, we do not support this film and we ask that you also do not support this film as we feel extremely disrespected and we feel that there would be many inaccuracies about my grandmother's life. Thank you. A little articulate, smart little thing, <laughs> you know, but she was the speaker of the family and said, you know, we do not condone any of this, you know? Um, and that's unfortunate, you know, because, I, you know, you already are creating something where somebody can't speak for themselves. They're passed on, right? Yeah. So the very least you can do is include the people who are closest to them, you know, to try to be as authentic because it, it is disrespectful. You know, mm-hmm. it is disrespectful to tell a story about a family uh, and, and there are members of that family that are still alive that cannot contribute to how that story uh, is is conveyed to the world. That's that's messed up. You know, it's not cool. It's not cool at all. Um, so I do hope that, you know, um, with this August premiere of the feature film, that we see uh, not only support from the family, but we see a um, a fuller and more American Aretha Franklin. And before we move on, I do kind of want to. Oh you know, the the actors from this uh, series addressed that controversy. Um, mm. Cynthia, particularly, she kind of flipped it around saying that, because there were, you know, um, concerns that she didn't look like Aretha um, and, of course, didn't sound like her. And she was like, you know, every person that's, that a biopic has been made of, um, they don't always look like them. The actors don't always look like the person necessarily. And um, she was saying that she felt that she was doing her best to bring what she could to the role, um, and that there are many different actors who can there there can be more than one piece on this person's life. Um, and then Patrice Covington, who played her sister, she said <laughs> her quote was, "I just kind of think art is legit," and that's where she left it when they asked about the family not giving the blessing. 
Well, you know, she's from the original cast of the uh, revival of your favorite show. She is. Um, she plays Squeak. Yeah, she sure did. Um, I'm going to leave that alone. I don't even know what that statement means. Art is legit. I don't either. I was very confused. I don't know what, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> Art is legit. I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That was it. I was left confused. So, yeah. And we're just going to leave that where it is. That's going to make me mad. I, <laughs> when you were talking about her needing to control the, the, the parts of her life that she did have the agency to do so, it reminded me uh the Versace series where they go over his murder mm -hmm. and how that I forget his name but the in, the man who ended up killing uh killing Versace right he was murdered right right yeah. the similar family in that he had siblings but his father picked him out to be the special one what was his name Andrew Cunanan Cunanan Andrew Cunanan yes and how his father singled him out to be the special one of the family out of everybody. You know, the mama and the other siblings. Mm -hmm. You know, he exalted this one child and how that had lasting effects. And so it, it to me, I feel like we can put that relationship in conversation with Aretha. At least that's the way this series kind of, to me, depicted you know, that father-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. She is the golden child of the family. She is the special one. We're nurturing her. Everybody else figure it out, you know? And how that might have impacted her future. And two, with that, I feel like this series definitely posited that relationship or positioned it in a way where <laughs> from that, that opening scene, where we see them walking up to the car dealership and he pays for this new car after giving it to these white men that come and try to attack them on the side of the road. They walk to this car dealership and he buys this new car outright using cash, talking about he got it from being a pastor and you know, doing all these tours and whatnot. For me, what- um, Courtney B. Vance? Yes, oh my goodness. But no, what Courtney B. Vance did where <laughs> when he saw her sing at that house party and that light sparked in his eye, that was a cash cow. He said, that's the cash cow. Oh, this voice, I'm about to, I'm about to monetize this. We're going to capitalize off this right now. And I think that definitely was the relationship. It, to me, it definitely reminded me of Matthew Knowles and how he worked Beyonce. But, uh, I mean, this is... You don't know so... how Matthew Knowles worked Beyonce. Child, yes, we do. It's in all the biographies. I took the Beyonce class, Lord. Yeah, he definitely saw a cash, cash grab. And I think that definitely influences the relationship once you see your child as product rather than <laughs> the human that you really just care for. Um, mm -hmm. It shifts the dynamic. And it's so... It's so sad to me just watching because she definitely became dependent on him and on that dynamic and it turned sour and toxic at times. Like I, just the things she witnessed him doing, the behaviors he made, I, imagining what it was like for her to see him 
conceive a child with a 12-year-old. What is it to normalize that behavior? Because that's ultimately what happened. The family mm -hmm. normalized it. You know, daddy obviously normalized it. And it clearly was normalized because it happened a second time and how that affects the relationships. No wonder the sisters, which I felt like they actually could have captured even stronger because mm -hmm. it seemed like the eldest sister just was like, she was always the peacekeeper. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, you know, she didn't sometimes get really for real, for real, get mad at Aretha. Yeah. I, you, I don't believe it. You know, like, it's unbelievable. And if it is true, then you've got to convince me as to why, you know, because what Aretha was doing, what she did with Son of a Preacher Man, clearly she was either doing it unbeknownst to her, just by her father, just being like, no, Aretha's going to do it. Or, you know, it was intentional. No, I'm mm -hmm. going to take your song. You know, but that kind of relationship was not cultivated in her stardom. That relationship was cultivated through from childhood. Mm. But too, we have to contend with, you know, I, I'm thinking about her even seeing her father force her mother from the home mm -hmm. and what that does to your psyche or your relationship with your father. Like, because they didn't really show her being angry with him in that moment or in those moments or the period afterward and or Aretha yeah and like to um, I imagine she was constantly I think they with did after that you're saying that they did it yeah I mean I think that they they showed it but there's a but what but what what they showed which was by not showing it mm -hmm. they showed to me I was able to glean like children really need their parents yeah. And they really need their mamas, you know? And while she loved her daddy, she needed her mama and wanted yeah. her mama, you know? And so while I think, while I don't think that they necessarily captured that because it was absent, it made me think about it. And because <laughs> Cheyenne is so good, um, you know, I was able to see that. I think they did. I just, I, but I think, I think and what you just said for me was like, also, what does it mean, particularly at that time, that you tell a woman that she can't have her kids and that the kids are staying with him? So for yeah. me, I was like, oh, now that is something that's wild. Yeah. Your point, kind of going back to your point of them not humanizing Aretha's full personality. Yeah. Like, it, she had to have been, you know, struck or, tuck, or um, what's the word I want to use? tugging at both resentment and this dependency to her father and I don't feel that that was teased apart enough and that we saw the resentment part enough because that has to develop seeing all of that all of those behaviors yeah. that he's done like yeah yeah I think for me it was I chopped it up to the respect of the church mm -hmm. you know um, and just how, like, even when she went to go record Amazing Grace, you know, she's like, you know, we have church for, I mean, it's, it's, it's the spirit first before production. It's church before production. So that just to me demonstrated, like, how she held on to, even with her sins, you know, she held on to the traditions of the church and that she was trying, you know, and so for me, you know, because, Folk believe in honor thy mother and father. Like, that is just like, you know, the Cardinal said, that's the one commandment that you don't break. You can lie. You can still kind of go on, you know, excuse me, go on ahead and repent. But you don't go get your mom and your daddy. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. You know what I'm saying? So for me, and for me, that kind of just is an unspoken thing, you know? So I guess I was just looking at it, is what I'm saying, through that lens. Like, I was looking at it through that, of that, like, she was never, ever going to disrespect her daddy. And also, like, her dad is the reason why she is successful. It's like, contributes to why she is successful. Yeah. And, and she's not, you know, she was a successful, rich woman. So, you know, she had to, and people feel indebted to those who provided that space. So I, that's kind of what I saw. Thank you for saying that, because that definitely, you reminded me that <laughs> this is a different time period, one, mm -hmm. and different generational kind of relation to family. Because like nowadays, like my generation, we very openly will like address issues, I guess, what we have with the parents and try to have these conversations um, very openly. So right. yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um... I really loved Elaine Gaines, who played uh, CL's second spouse, the first significant spouse that they show in the series. But she's actually after Aretha Franklin's mother passes away. Uh, she played Whitney Houston. She played it in the BET, Bobby Brown. Yes, I think she played Whitney Houston in the Bobby Brown story. Mm. That's also that thing. Like it's like Aretha also lost two mamas because she was very close to this woman. Mm -hmm. You know, so she lost two mothers. Two mothers died for her. Yep. You know, and you, so you just can't imagine how incredibly painful that might be. You know, um, and then the abuse that she experienced from her first husband, Ted Whitechild, a pimp. You see what I'm saying? So, like, if this is a church woman who married a pimp, she was, she like, come on, y'all. This is a particular kind of woman. Like, she was not, like, you know, twiddling her thumbs and playing with her dolls. Mm -hmm. I thought that that moment was so cheesy when she's at the church tent and she's about to lose her virginity as she leaves the doll at the bar <laughs> I was like who directed this I was like get, get out of here I was, like, I was like get out of here first of all why does that big ass girl have that doll second yes yes she gonna drink the drink with the doll in her hand leave the doll at the bar and then she becomes a woman get out of here I was like <laughs> I was like outdone. I was just like, please, please. Leave me with this. Leave me with this. <laughs> Get away from me with this, Apollo. Get away from me with this. Mm. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, you know, so just, you know, I guess we just, I guess we're inadvertently like, a, or uh, yeah, inadvertently um, like building upon all of these ways in which, you know, she was building this, um, this chest of trauma, mm -hmm. you know, as she, as she moves through life, you know, um, and how we all do, you know, because what's sad is that her story is not an uncommon story. I mean, we definitely saw with Billie Holiday. Precious. And it just makes me think about these 
I, it's something I have been thinking about. Like these iconic, to mention Precious, these iconic movies that we cherish and that we we enjoy. We talk about all the things we like about them, but we always omit the issues of sexual assault, the issues of incest in stories like The Color Purple and Precious and now Genius Aretha because I'm like, we're not talking about like, well, I think it, this film makes it pretty clear. So it's, if, if you're not talking about it or you're not dealing with it, like it really, really is a specific choice not to do so you know but mm-hmm. just like the you know the ways in which we are we we are we are we are afraid to deal with you know sexual violence in the black community and i hope that this will be an opportunity to really engage in those conversations because it mm-hmm. is a part of so many people's experience yeah and it's the reason why folks are going into damn uh, beauty parlors and shooting up shit in high schools, shooting up stuff, you know, because they're not dealing with these things that have hurt them so many years ago that that stripped them of, you know, what it is to be innocent, what it is to be vulnerable, you mm-hmm. know. And I'm I'm thinking because you know she got with Ted when she was 18, and that's only mere four or five years after she had her second child. And so what did, what was she looking for in a partner at that second time? Second or third. She, she had her second child with Ted? 14. I thought she had two as a... Two at... Tw- one at 12, 14, and then she had one with Ted. One with Ted, so that was her third child. Like at 19. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so I'm saying, like, when she was with him, she already had two kids. She's 18 years old. She's looking for a partner that can provide. Right. So that's right. who you turn to. <laughs> oh, right, uh, right, right. So, right. and <laughs> like also, like, let's also talk about how the daddy probably also contributed to that as well. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, the daddy also was like, you need to find a man that's going to help you take care of them kids. But he over there making all that money. Go on over there and get that, you know? Or, Girl, you done had another baby, a third baby, and this is the one you're going to have it where you're going to have to stay with him. You know, this is what you're going to have to do because the church is already talking. You got to stay with him. Mm. You know, it's just, oh, it's wild. I was so um, pleased with how they handled James Cleveland because there was an opportunity to really, you know, uh, make him super flamboyant and make him over the top and make him, you know, uh, because many may not know that James Cleveland was a gay man. Um, And I believe he passed away from complications of HIV AIDS. So, um, and he established the Gospel Workshop of America Gospel Music Workshop of America, GMWA, in which some have likened to say it is a second pride. I'm saying all I would say that I thought that Omar J. Dorsey captured James Cleveland beautifully. You know, like I, I would get, like he, if there were if supporting actor or featured actor, he, I just thought he was great. I thought like, I, I thought he was great. I smile every time I see that man on my screen. Watching Queen yeah. Sugar, he he just yeah. he has a heart of it's a gold. Calm he reminds, yes, he reminds me of our uh, mutual friend Foxworth. Yeah, and that beauty oh, of their spirits. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, 
you know, I, I was fascinated to see all of the uh, reality show actors appearing. Did you notice? You saw there was Zebulon Ellis, who was on Sunday Best, who was in the choir. Uh, Crystal Rucker also sang that solo. Like I said, I think she sang the slower version of How I Got Over and uh, she's singing her face off. And then Aretha comes back and sings the faster version. And it was just like, no, she can't come behind Crystal Rucker and sing. Anyway, Crystal Rucker's there. You got Duranese Pace of the Pace yes. Sisters. She passed away. You have Shamari DeVoe singing back up uh, Ricky DeVoe's wife singing back up. That was her. Because <laughs> I looked at her, I was like, she looked familiar. Like I know her. And then I was like, the Real Housewives. And then I was like, well, is it black? And I was trying to see because the girl I went to middle school used to, was a, was a part of the black. But she she wasn't. You know, one of them got hit by a car, run over by a car, somehow died tragically. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, you know Shamari's her sister went to Cornell with us. I did not know that. Delmar. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, Delmar. Sh mm -hmm. Shut. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, uh, baby, that's your town. That's your people. That's my town, but that is wild. <laughs> that is why. That's wild that they're sisters. That's why I'm gagging. Because <laughs> that's two totally different personalities. Yes. Uh, but then I can also see how they would be sisters. Are there any things that you want to say historically about the show as it relates to that particular time, as it relates to... Uh, you know, the current time. I definitely thought that there were some hidden agendas in this piece mm. that um, I did side-eye. But I will mention those after you. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, you know, after our conversation, especially uh, that <laughs> the relation of the Black family and the social contracts made with uh, within the black family during the period um, 30s, 40s. I think about my grandmother and um, the way she is with her own siblings and how they literally stick with one another and defend one another no matter what, um, even if the behavior is egregious or <laughs> ridiculous and makes other family members very upset and angry um, or look at them sideways, they will defend each other no matter what. Um, yeah. And I think there is there's definitely a difference generationally uh, with that and that social contract within the Black family um, because, like I, like I mentioned, my generation now, we like to deal with things head on and address them in the here and now. And... <laughs> <laughs> is that what y'all do? With the yeah. family, yes. With the family. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, that's just not a thing for that generation, it seems. Gotcha. So, yeah. That's interesting. I definitely felt that there was this, as I, there are two things that I feel that that that, that this, this show was specifically doing. And I, one thing I'll be generous and say that I think it unintentionally participates in. Um, the first is that I think that there was this agenda of like acceptance that in terms of race mm. that just kind of annoyed me. You know, I thought that there was just this undertone of like, you know, we get along, we can get along, we work together. You know, and I don't think that the, you know, 
I think that it would have been more beneficial to show the balance of Aretha dealing with these, you know, white musicians. I mean, for God's sakes, on the first episode, one of her, (laughs) at the very beginning of the episode, she is, she's like, you're white. I'm here to do soul music and I'm here. So this is a shock. And I'm sure that they did become cool. And I know how artists are. When artists get together, particularly artists, you know, of particular talent, there is a camaraderie, regardless of what you look like. Yeah. You know? Um, I and I and I do recognize and honor that, but I just felt like there was just this while it 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 tries to achieve you know, capturing the heightened political moment. I think it also is trying to like push this like we are the world message together that I'm like, y'all, that's not how that's not how we're gonna get liberation. It's just not how we're gonna get there. You know, you hate you some we are the world. I do hate we are the world. Like, it is, <laughs> I really do. You know, I remember being a kid and they'd be like, you know, we human. Humans are the same. And I think, like, subconsciously, I was like, well, I don't want to be no human because I don't want to be the same as her over there picking her nose and looking like that. We're not the same, mm-hmm. you know? So I've always been against this, like, one thing because my thing is, like, it's just not true. The new generation is against labels and against boxes. And I'm just like, but that's how we're trained to identify each other. That's how we're trained to think. Yeah. First, you go, this is the first grade class. That's the, that's the middle school. You know, so that means something. You know, there's there's most best dressed in high school. You know, the sing, singular superlatives, homecoming queen. Like we 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 are trained to categorize, and who who gets to be a homecoming queen? We're trained to categorize, and so to me, like to try to say human race one thing that that's not that it, it, it's nonsensical to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that I do think, you know is happening that that is going to take far too long for us to expand upon right now uh, as we have been talking for quite some time is that <laughs> I do think that there is an agenda to have it to 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 produce a perception of black man right now. I really do. Um and you know I think while it is great to be honest and to show these challenges I think that there is there's not enough balance. Mm. You've said this before too. There isn't enough balance. And so, you know, I think that we need to be careful as black creatives. Um, I know we want to get our works greenlit, and I know that we want to really be in the room and to tell our stories, but I think that we have to be careful um, that we are not aligning ourselves with agendas that are not productive for this communal life that we're trying to cultivate for ourselves. Something that I noticed, and it's something that I think it goes right on up with why they're trying to, to promote multiculturalism. I do think that they're... Um, and maybe it's that people are, are tired of, of the ways in which men have, um, destroyed the world and maybe, you know, all men are on attack. I just don't see men of other, other races being, um, vilified in the Mm -hmm. ways in which I see black men, uh, being, um, depicted right now. And I just think it's something we need to pay attention to. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I definitely think that it's something that we should pay attention to. I would say in the television realm, I don't see it as much. 
Um, Because when I think of, you know, like Sterling K. Brown's role um, and This Is Us um, or though Tyler Perry leaves much to be desired often, the black men he writes on his show aren't um, vilified um, very often. Um, Even when they're doing bad things. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know. (laughs) Which is very interesting. Right. Women just be going through it all the time. Right. Um, Right. But definitely in film, I would say there's that rise. But I think, too, we have to think about that the pieces that are coming out right now are uh, created with such a historical focus right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's these stories and these truths. Even think about just like Tina Turner's documentary that just dropped. um, And of, of course, we've seen the story of her and Ike, but this is what folk have experienced from black men in their lives and like I said I I think that that is important but like I said I think that there is balance because like I said I also you know we go back and forth about this but like black women are not perfect Mm -hmm. and I do think that that is like that is like what is trying to be conveyed in society too and I don't think that that is is right as well and Mm -hmm. so you know I yes and I and and yeah, I just think that there needs to be balance. I'll leave it at that. I just think that there needs to be balance. Yeah. Please write about it. I, I received that. Thank you. Uh, I think you should do the same in all the things that are important to you, too. And we should also remember that capturing these things doesn't necessarily have to be in particular form. You know, there's, there are lots of ways mm-hmm. to capture, you know, critical thought. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, we do need to talk about these things. We do need to capture these things in whatever ways um, speak to us. Well, I think, you know, we've got this now etched in history. Genius, Aretha Franklin. And we will be waiting for uh, the feature film about Aretha's life to come out in August. And I guess one just ending question is, A.T., what do you... Um, what do you need from that film that you think was missing from this film? What do you think in this film that uh, you would like to also see present in the next film? Um, I would love to see a fully captured um, embodiment of Aretha uh, with the accent that I can relate to um, and easily identify. And something I would keep, I would say the Hmm. I'm sure they won't do this with the movie, but you know those details of her actual life story and all of the truth. Um, yeah. I think I would love to see that on a on a film. But too, I think like this series itself, some of the episodes were so long. They were long, weren't like, they? Yes. yes. Yeah, they were like long. This, this is like a whole. It was like watching like an epic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm interested to see how they capture or what narrative they craft within the film for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I hope to see. Awesome. Um, I know for me, I hope that they keep uh, the fashion. I thought the costume designer did a great job. Uh, so some of the fashion, mm-hmm. um, I think with you, I would like to see historical accuracy as well. Um, I also thought that the casting was not too bad in mm-hmm. this, you know? Um, so, 
that is what I would like to keep. What I think that that you know this film does do is you know just what I always says you you know that specificity of blackness. I think that goes along with your thoughts about the accent. I think it goes along with our thoughts about the relationship between the sisters, and I think it goes with you know some of the capturing of the black church. It is just my hope that you know. Um, and, you know, Jason Michael is doing the music. You know, he was a musical director for um, The Color the Purple. Color Purple. Mm -hmm. His partner, Leland, uh, was Jennifer Hudson's acting coach. You know, so I just really hope that the Americanness um, of this woman and her family and the um, genre of, mu of music that she impacted and, and just the entity of music that Aretha Franklin definitely put her mark on. I just hope that it's captured with trueness and authenticity, yeah. you know? That's just, you know, what I can hope for. Amen. Uh, and I hope Sekhan is amazing. Yes. This has been an amazing conversation. Yes. Thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. Yes, me as well. Me as well. You all, please make sure that you uh, follow, subscribe, and like this podcast at Performing Black on Facebook, Twitter, and IG. We thank you all for listening. Make sure y'all respect. <laughs> Peace and love, y'all. Yes. And thank. <laughs> <laughs>